You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome again to the Monster Sci-Fi Show. I am your host, the Monster, and yeah, it's been a minute since I've last done a podcast. Well, in fairness, done my own podcast because I've been doing my own library stuff, which has been taking up a lot of my energies, which I'm... Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. <laughs> I'm going back to the thing that I love, the thing that I started back in 2006. All coming back, baby. I am planning to do an episode by episode of Strange, oh, sorry, of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Why? Why this new series of Star Trek when all the other new stuff is garbage? That still hasn't changed. Star Trek Discovery is complete garbage, even after four seasons. And why there's a fifth season, I have no idea. There's Star Trek Prodigy, which I watched the first episode, lost interest after that. Star Trek Lower Decks would have been great had it not been called Star Trek. Just call it Lower Decks and kind of parody Star Trek in that vein. Otherwise, it's too Easter egg and not enough for me to even care about these characters. And then, let's not forget Star Trek Picard, which is now done after Season 2. Another disappointment. There were moments that I kind of liked, but not enough for me to like say, Hey, I'm going to do a podcast on that. Because I'm not. First one, I did that with Melinda uh, some time ago. And it was fine for all its faults. There were moments. The card season two, even less. But putting that aside, Star Trek Strange New Worlds is the thing that I've been wanting to see for a long time. A good Star Trek series that implements great visuals, great characters, and great storytelling. Later on this week, we'll be coming to the last episode of Star Trek Strange New World Season 1. And that's fine. But each week on Mondays, I will be releasing another episode in which I am reviewing each one for the season. That's something different that I have not done before that I'm going to go into, you know, not to great lengths, but it speaks to... The show's impact on why I love Star Trek. I'm not going to go any further other than let the love fest begin to talk about the cast. We've had in Star Trek season, Star Trek Discovery season two, we've had the introduction of Captain Pike. We had Spock and we had Pike's number one, Una. And they were great. A lot of fans, including myself, love those energies that they brought to that series. Even though that series was complete garbage, there was something about 
those guys that wanted to be back and I wanted them to be back and fans wanted them to be back and we got them back, baby, into their own series. And I'm glad because this is going to be for a conversation for another time. But I saw Anson Mount when he was in the Inhuman series and I watched that Inhumans movie when I was at Dragon Con and I went to the theaters on purpose. And the rest of the series is just complete garbage. And not that the first two episodes or three episodes, whatever they put together as a movie was great. It wasn't. But Anson Mount got done dirty. But I'm glad here in this point, not only does it speak, and I'm like, I am still hetero, but I got a severe man crush on fucking Anson Mount. He is a fucking handsome man. Not only can he grow a beard, which I'm jealous of, but the hair itself is phenomenal. I'm just saying, Riker in the beard had it for season two and on. In the beginning, you know, he's a little bit scruffy, but, you know, still, nonetheless, handsome man, handsome man. I'm not denying that. Uh, we also have Ethan Peck as Spock, which I'm fine with from what I've been watching this season as far as his performance and his take on a very iconic character. And it's not to say that he has to act like Leonard Nimoy. He doesn't. All these characters, you know, even Uhura, all these new actors portraying characters that we know near and dear should be allowed to reinterpret their roles in however way they should in this new series. James Bond is a perfect example in which you have a brand new actor coming into the role and he gives his own take, his own speed, his own pacing to the way he does everything. Other than the name James Bond and 007, which is the commonality through all of them, each actor is very distinct and different in their interpretation. Some are great, some are horrible, but nonetheless, that's how you have lasting power, which is why I'm like, why are we not having another Indiana Jones that someone younger could portray him and not the old Harrison Ford that no one liked in the kingdom of, of Crystal, the Crystal of Kingdom, whatever, that crappy last movie that I don't even, I can't even pronounce it, that we're still getting another one. And I'm like, come on, man, give someone else a chance. Not until you die to let it be released back to the wild? No. Someone else carried the torch. Literally carried that torch. We have Rebecca Romaine. I'm not going to say Stamos because she's not longer the married to that guy. But Una, Chin Riley, she is fantastic. She has, in the next coming episodes, a bit more than we've ever had since the first episode or the cage pilot that was the unofficial launch of the Star Trek universe. Those three fantastic and i'm glad to see them back now as far as the rest of the cast i'm just going briefly through imdb and i will talk about it when each one has their moments because unlike i'm not again bashing star trek discovery but i am in this sense it has taken maybe four seasons to have that bridge crew to do something other than do something on the keyboard or on their display look off camera or look to the partner left to them and just say very little and have very almost next to nothing to do. You know, Michael Burnham is all there and she does everything and you barely get to know them within this first episode. I know pretty much everyone on this ship and they're fantastic. 
And this is just one freaking episode that I just cannot gush over more than these new characters. And I don't know if it's because I'm just starved for that type of interaction, but everyone else on those, like on Discoveries specifically, like I'm dying to see them do more. To be part of the landing party or to be part of the discussion of what happened on this current mission, they barely get to do that. I don't like that for that reason. And I'm so grateful that we're back to the basics of having episodic TV for Star Trek. Yes, you can still have a long arc. Star Trek Discovery, no, sorry, Star Trek Enterprise did it for season three. They got away from the week-to-week episodes, and they, they focus on a whole season-long arc with the Zindi War. And I'm like, all right, it's not the greatest, but I get what you're doing. But they had more time to kind of play out those stories. Almost double the number of episodes than what Discovery does in their season story arc. And even then, you're bringing in more people who are just new to the cast and still pushing out the people who were there from day one, even less screen time. A few moments later. Let's go real quick. We have Nurse Chapel, played by Jess Bush, who I love. We also have Christina Chong, which uh, Lan Nunian Singh, I'm going to have issues already with that name, because that should not be there, but we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> we have Celia Rose Gooding, who plays Uhura. We have Michelle Navia, who plays Erica Ortegas, another great character. We have Babs, and I'm going to mispronounce this name. I am so sorry. Alasan Moken, who plays Dr. Membenga, and he's also a good, interesting character from the old Trek. And then in this first episode, we also have T'Pring, who we know again from the original series, but it's played by Gia Sandu. And we also have Andre De Kim, who plays uh, Chief Transporter Kyle. And later, we will see Bruce Horick, who plays Chief Engineer Hammer, which does not appear until the very end. But again, I will be talking about these characters at great length, as each episode deems them to be playing a bigger role in this freaking first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. With that said... I was trying to figure out how I'm going to do this because I know I can go on and rant and rave about a lot of things. So I did a second rewatch and I took my notes and I tried to use Siri to record my notes because I'm trying to type and my thinking process and my typing process are just two completely different things. But then the Siri dictations software sucks because what I'm trying to say, it doesn't come across properly anyway so i'll try to best i'll try my best to read over the notes but i think what i'm going to do is i'm going to basically have the tv on no volume and i'm going to watch the episode and talk about it as the episode is playing or replaying so it's not necessarily going to be like you know a full episode uh commentary because i'm not going to do that but there are going to be moments in which i'm going to highlight something or speak about something that is going to make me go off on a tangent at times. This opening scene in which Una is doing her commander's log, I'm going to give it a pass because 
when we get back to them or whenever the rescue happens, I have to talk about the logic about how they got stuck on this planet, which is frustrating. So put that aside. That's the least of my concerns right now. But we open up to a scene where we're back on Earth. It is Bear Creek, Montana. This is how my brain works at times. Oh, Montana. Well, there's two things in Montana that I'm aware of. One is Yellowstone. I got turned on to Yellowstone, and I'm waiting for the fifth season. I still have to watch and finish season one of 1883. And there's another new series called, I think it's Yellowstone, but I think it's just called 1932, which Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford are going to be in this. So it's kind of cool. I love something that's not science fiction. But Yellowstone, especially the actress who who plays Beth, which is Kelly Riley, super hot for her. But Kevin Costner is in this, and it's a great cast all around. The way to describe Yellowstone, it's kind of like part Godfather, part Upstairs, Downstairs, or a weird uh, Downton Abbey. But as a Western, it's interesting. I'm always kind of cool with that. But that takes place in Darby, Montana. Whereas Bear Creek also is in Montana. And if you're interested, it's about, I don't know, five and a half or six and a half hours drive time. Why would you need to know that? I don't know. But that's how my mind works. I actually looked it up because that's what I do. When I was watching or the first episode of Attack on Titan and I was doing this for my library, I'm like, how big are these walls? in between because there's wall maria and there's the different wall rows and so forth but like how big is this universe encompassing inside this wall so when i looked at the the kilometers and put it over the map of florida now i have kind of like the proper geography in my head to know how big and vast this land is so in this case when i saw the bear creek montana i'm like wait isn't yellowstone in montana so i'm like but I thought, first thing was like, is he operating on Yellowstone's, you know, the Dutton Ranch? Like, no, he's not, you idiot. But nonetheless, I'm off on this tangent talking about Yellowstone, right? Which is also on Paramount Plus, but I can't, I'm not hyping it. Other than, it's a really good show, and it's on Paramount Plus. Not that I'm going to get a sponsorship from Paramount Plus, no matter how many times we keep saying Paramount Plus. I'm not going to get anything from Paramount Plus. But in any case, the other thing, right? Between Bear Creek and Darby, what's in between? I don't hear anything from anyone, so I'm just going to say it. Bozeman. Bozeman, Montana. If you know Bozeman, Montana, that's first contact site. So April of 2023, it will be 60 years before we have first contact in Bozeman, Montana. So I can't wait because that day will never happen (laughs) because I'll be dead. Although... 60 and I'm 50. There's no way I'm going to be 114 to see that happen because it will happen. You know, I'm just saying that's the way life works. Life finds a way. But in any case, let me kind of get off that kind of tangent. But that's where my mind works. I'm crossing worlds and that's how I see it. So we're off in the snowy mountains of Bear Creek, Montana, where we see. Uh, a log cabin, so to speak. And there's a beautiful ranch in which Pike is making breakfast, kind of like what Kirk did in Generations. 
for uh, the woman that he was with, but we never see, whereas here we do because we know that they had sex. So much so that he's making breakfast. So you know they stayed over for that. But in any case, he's making pancakes. He's watching The Day the Earth Stood Still. I'm like, I want to be there. And I want to have his beard. And I want to have his long hair. That's a trifecta right there. And it's snowing. I mean, it's beautiful. So in any case, they have a moment between the two of them in which his communicator, which why the other captain called it a phone. I'm like, that's not how it works, but whatever. He ignores it because someone's been trying to contact him and he's just like, I ain't doing anything. And if you had seen what had happened in Star Trek season two and the storyline and what happened to, I believe it was Boreth, and the events there gave him uh, a future vision of what was going to happen to him. That's the kind of thing that stuck with him and kind of screwed up his mind because he saw his, I would not say his death, even though he keeps saying that it's his death. It's just something happens to him in which he becomes incapacitated to the point where he is in that mobile wheelchair and there is that beep that transmit yes, like two beeps for yes, one beep for no, or vice versa, and that's it. It does not say anything more. He does. He can't even talk. He's just a vegetable, but he's trapped in his own body. And I think it's due to a radiation poisoning or whatever it is. He is just like a shell of a man, and he's in this situation. So as such, he doesn't want to travel back out there or do anything because that's the kind of thing that kind of holds people back. Like, and, and put this in context with my own uh, situation, you know, there are times in which I do suffer from panic attacks, and it feels like that stops me from doing just even the basic stuff in the house. Stuff gets neglected, and like it, it's it's tough. Not to say that my stuff is going to be like you know life threatening, but I it's I can understand the resentment or the lack of willpower to move forward from a situation when you know things are are only going to get worse over time. Eventually, Robert April, who we do see in the I believe the animated series, who was, if I remember correctly, the first captain of the Enterprise, which is not the same as the first captain of Enterprise NX-01 from Star Trek Enterprise, because that was still like an experimental model, I think. So not until we get past that and we get to the, the constitutional class that Robert April is the official first captain, and then we get Pike. But here, April is the admiral that he has Pike work under him. So he's talking to him, saying, you know, I've been trying to reach you, and I need you to go back into space. And it's like, I ain't doing that. Yeah, but your first officer is in trouble, and I need you to go back out there. He has Una's back. There's there's not a doubt that, you know, he would not go out there for her. But he's only doing this just so, like, fine, just get off my ass. I'll just do it. And he calls, goes into the next scene, where we have Spock and T'Pring having dinner and at first when i first saw this i was like eh, i'm not liking the dialogue with him going query and she will go response and then he asked a question but it was kind of funny the way it plays out it's like wouldn't it be more efficient you just say it you set your question rather than having to ask permission or say i'm going to ask you a question and then ask the question i get it and i liked 
them together, especially later on in the season, which, again, we'll talk about that another time. But I appreciated the fact that when Spock is in the heat of the moment, you have Pike calling him up, who stops what he's doing to answer the phone because, you know, he has a duty to not only his, he has an oath and a duty to honor, both personal and and, uh, professional. Duty calls, he's up on it. You know, he'll just zip it up. I'm like, I'm there. Tell me what you need. And boom, off he goes. Whereas the praying was just like, you know, I don't really buy this, but whatever. You know, we'll see what happens. Now we're back to Pike in a shuttlecraft heading up to the Enterprise that is in space dock. That's getting it's not a retrofit, but just getting whatever repairs and upgrades or whatever it needs to do is just it's not time yet. But like any other ship, why is it always the Enterprise? It's the only one that can do this, right? Which is another thing about having watched so much Star Trek. I was like, no other ship can do this. No other captain can do this. But I'm like, it's always them. But regardless, what's cool about this, it's very reminiscent of the romance, the beauty shot from Star Trek The Motion Picture. When Scotty takes Captain Kirk, or say Admiral Kirk, got to get that right, (laughs) over to Space Dock to see the new Enterprise that's been retrofitted it is beautiful. It is so elegant. The music swells from Jerry Goldsmith's score. It just takes its time because you have been away from Star Trek since 1969 to 1979. So almost 10 years since you saw this crew. And then when you see that starship, it is absolutely stellar. Absolutely perfect. Here, they kind of do that, but I'm like, there are some little notes of the music i hear it and pike does look at the enterprise but not the exact same way that kirk did but it's all right um we do see pike reading on his pad there's something from uh lan anunian singh about her encounter and it does says does say about the gorn which i didn't catch that until the second viewing that comes back later on to kind of help him give him some perspective on things in the in the course of the episode. So the ensign says, all scrubbed up and ready to wash and all that. And it's like, then Pike says, if it was only that easy. Because at this time, he shaved off that beard, groomed his hair. Again, fantastic hair. He's got a, a beautifully chiseled chin. He says, if only if it was that easy commenting on himself and the answer was like what be me aboard that was it but those are the moments that i appreciate from the first couple of episodes of pike is that he is going through some heavy stuff and i again i relate to that because i too and like everybody else everyone else has baggage and is going through something but on the surface especially at work you really can't let that kind of thing be exposed or let that affect your job. And that's the thing that I liked about this because once Pike's on board and we have Spock next to him, the two of them, you know, share a moment because after Pike gives a speech uh, about 
we got to go on a mission. We have to go get these, get our people back and all that jazz. And he goes, he makes some kind of line saying, this is not anyone's last mission, which was more for him to say it out loud, not to anyone specifically, but you know that that is in reference to him. So sometimes things like that pop out or no one else is going to pick up on that, but Spock did. So on the way, Spock visits Pike in his cabin and the two of them talked so this is the moment that I've been wanting to see that there's a bond between these two characters. This bond is so strong that if you know the Star Trek story behind this is that when Pike has that situation, there was a two-part episode in the original series called The Menagerie in which Spock commits mutiny. He hijacks the Enterprise to give Pike a chance at a new life. But because he didn't want to reveal what he was doing this for. We know that it's Pike being brought back to the planet to allow him to live a normal life, a la in the cage, so to speak, on that planet. But these moments already, just a simple interaction, you see and trust that bond is there. A thing that they were talking about which again, Pike is going on about saying that this is about his own death, which again, it's not his death, but I guess it's a death sentence anyway because of what is happening or what will happen to him. It's the fact that he knows this, much like death for all of us. We know it's going to happen, right? But it's sometimes you're aware of that, but just don't let that be the thing to stop you from doing your job or being the person who you are. So he said, who's that? And Spock replied, be the captain. Even that sunk in with Pike, much like with me and anyone else who's going through tough times, you know, you'll get your moments in which someone helps you, puts things in perspective, and kind of gets you over that hump at that moment. But it still lingers in your head because Pike, throughout this episode, every once in a while, he has those moments in which he's thinking about what is going to happen, but he still is able to muster through. So I I was appreciative of that. Okay. So we're back to, we get to the planet. Um, They find a ship, which is called the USS Archer, which is a nice homage to captain Jonathan Archer from the enterprise series or star Trek enterprise. But as Spock goes to the cruise manifest, and it still dumbfounds me that there's only three people, with Una being one of them, and two astrophysicists on a ship that has a nacelle as a warp drive. And I'm like, you're kidding me. A ship that size that's only three people, you would think at least 20, 30 people, a full crew at the very least. A janitor, you know, to empty out the waste for each day or something. Not just those three people. But that's all there was. Just three people that got stuck on the planet below. Whatever. That Again, not to be nitpicky, but that was just some dumbass shit. Well, putting that aside, we find out that the civilization below had discovered not so much that they had warp technology, but found ways to reverse engineer warp technology to make a warp bomb already this is a first uh it's a prime directive episode or in this case a general one order which will later become the prime directive in which that planet or the civilization has been contaminated here is what we come into our situation where we have how do we 
get our people out to cause the least amount of effect in this situation, which I like the problem solving because that's where you get your team come in to help figure out how do we do this and not leave it up to one person. Only you can do this, Michael Burnham, which I'm I got to stop with Michael Burnham. All right. So they have to figure out how they're going to get to the planet and get their crew back. So Pike says, well, I have a plan. Let's go visit the doctor. And this is where we get our first visit from Dr. Mambenga and Christine Nurse Chapel alters their genome to make them look like the aliens that are on that planet. Problem lies is that, as she noted, because Spock is half Vulcan and half human, his genome would be a lot harder to deal with, which, again, the, the logic of the course of the story was to create this false drama because the genome would revert back to his Vulcan half, human half-self through the process of the story. I'm like, you could have gone someone else and not had that issue. So again, erg. I would not have done that as a writer or a producer. Or just, it's annoying that that's what that's going to be. I understand, like, you have to have your top people always in, in front of the camera. But in this case, you could just tap them out. It would have been fine. But in any case, we get them transformed. So their faces are what the aliens look like below. And they all look great. Like, the makeup is fantastic. I'm super happy that the way they look overall. And sometimes, and I kid you not, I find people a lot more interesting with those kind of prosthetics than the actual people below them. I'm just saying they look really kind of cool. But in any case, uh, the transporter is when they beam down, they're able to get their clothes in the process as well as the tricorder and universal translation all in the exact same breath. And I'm like, holy crap, that's great. As they get down to the planet, Spock says, Captain, where are my pants? And they cut down to, oh my God, he's only wearing shorts. And But it's fantastic. It's that kind of moment that I miss, that kind of dry humor. But it's so in, in keeping of that character. As they go into trying to figure out a way how to get inside, Laon fakes an injury and gets these two medical people, I guess, staff conked out in the head. And then they fabricated their uniforms and then use fake credentials to get in and use eye retinal information. But Spock's DNA and genome problem was becoming a problem. And again, it, it was dumb that the fact that this was causing the drama that was going on because they figured no one else can do what Spock did. I'm like, anyone could have done this. You didn't need Spock. But in any case, they fixed the problem. Whatever uh, extra booster from the aliens that they conked out to give to Spock via transporter, which Riley says, wait, that's not how transporters work. But now they do. So screw it. So they were able to fix his eye retinal problem. Boom. All right. We'll just go with it. Uh, we have a nice little moment in the the elevator as they're going down below where this female is uh, kind of getting hot for for Pike, but then notices Spock's ear is kind of growing back to normal shape. But it's like, all right, we got to go. Bye. They find their crewmates, and then they come back out. And then this is where, like, okay, so they get busted as they're leaving with the prisoners. Spock is now fully in his old skin again. After he gave a very noticeable yell, now he feels better. Off they go. They knock down other people coming and seeing them. So they got into that quick little fight. 
But the essence was going to be that Pike is going to use Spock the way he looks to show, you know, here we are. Here's our situation. We are a federation that accepts people from all different colors, whatever, and, and species. And we can get through our differences. But that didn't really come into play. But Because, again, they weren't really that focused on, oh, my God, look at that guy with the ears. You would think that's what they were playing into. And that's why Pike was really saying, I need you to stay here with me. Send everyone else back up. They didn't do that. But, in essence, the, the leader talked about, you know, our conflict is is an ongoing issue. So now that we have this warp bomb, it's whoever has the biggest stick is going to kind of like make the laws of the land. Pike just took that as a cue and just ordered Pegas to get the ship back lower to the atmosphere so that everyone on this planet could see, as he put it, seems like I have now the biggest stick. Which got the, the, them to talk and, and force that conversation. There's a moment in which the two sides are discussing. So Laon and Pike are having a conversation while discussions are going on planet side. And she goes into detail about her experience with the Gorn, which, again, will be coming back to that. I cannot wait. And it's kind of horrific. So it's one of those moments that I'm like, okay, I know you're supposed to be show, but don't tell. This case, that's all right. You, you, you're graphic enough as it is. You're good. But on that same note, earlier, another uh, instance where if you've never watched Star Trek, we do get a flashback sequence in which we see what is going to happen to Pike and how his reaction to that scenario was coming up. In that instance, that worked pretty well. So again, if you didn't know much of Pike, you get the backstory, you have the mystery in the very beginning, but then you see what it is that he is fearing. But those two connections is that I guess to some degree, Laon talked about people who never thought they would die in that situation are the ones that are going to die. So you're preparing yourself mentally to live as much as you can. And I think that's the connection that Pike was needing to have is that, yeah, we're all going to fucking die. Sorry, I didn't mean to curse. We're all going to die, but you still have to live and you have to survive. So that got him to think about, you know, him to move forward in one aspect. But then he had the idea of, let me talk to these people and talk about the similar situation that happened on Earth. So as he's doing his PowerPoint presentation <laughs> to the these two sides, he talked about how this is Earth, which is the future. Look how pretty it is. But in our 21st century, going back to our reality, you know, he talked about the Second Civil War, which kind of played clips from January 6th, which is oddly enough what's going on in the news and how it led into the eugenics war and then eventually into World War III, which ties into perfectly the 60 years from now for first contact. But the, the little quibble is that the eugenics war, according to the original series, took place back in the 90s. Whereas here, it took place after the fact. Ugh, it's all right. It's not a big deal. But in any case, it got the two to talk and to see, you know, look, this happened to us, and here's that path. You can go ahead, do the exact same thing, and you'll have the exact same results. You could go ahead and change it. That's the kind of thing that I appreciate what Star Trek does, is that it can hold a mirror to ourselves, 
in the context of a sci-fi story. So again, going back to the day the Earth stood still, exact same storyline, you know, where you have this aliens like, you know what? We can take you guys all out. We have the super technology, but you know, you guys can do this all by yourself, but you have the power to change that. I appreciate those kind of storytelling, those kind of metaphorical moments, the allegories that Star Trek is known for. That is what's been missing from the new Star Trek. And that's the thing that I have grown to appreciate. Literally, I felt like a starving fan for Star Trek, for good Star Trek to finally come out. And uh, I hate to say this, I don't know why Akiva Goldsmith and Alex Kurtzman are still attached to this, but they came up with the story and Kurtzman, uh, no Kurtzman, I think Akiva is the one who wrote this. And I'm like, but you guys just did Picard and Picard was just garbage. And Discovery was pure garbage. So I don't understand how you can come up with something so good now. Why couldn't you do that back then? It did not make sense. But in any case, the episode ends with them back on the bridge. We see Lieutenant Kirk, Samuel Kirk, which is Kirk's brother. That it's not his dad. It's his older brother, I guess. Uh, I guess his older brother. I'm not sure. And then we see um, Hammer. Chief Engineer Hammer, which is a blind Andorian being beamed aboard. And I'm going to stop right there. Overall, it's a fantastic episode. Yes, I've had issues. And yes, there are minor quips. There are jumps in logic that just kills me. But I'm like, fine. It's not the first time (laughs) that this has happened for any Star Trek episodes. But in the grand scheme of things, this is so much better than anything that I've seen Again, since the last episode of Star Trek Enterprise. And that's saying a lot. That really is saying a lot. Because that was many, many, many years ago. For me as a fan to appreciate the thing that I've been wanting to see. I've mentioned when we had Star Trek Discovery, when the first season came out. And Gene, uh, Mr. Gene was there and David. We talked about the problems that we had. And I said, these are some things that they can do to fix it because the the tech is off from what we're supposed to know what the original enterprise is going to be. Either make everything look even, like we all have updated tech, which they did because in season two, the enterprise is more up to date. It still had the, the classic feel, but it still felt on par with what we saw on Discovery. You could move Discovery into the future, much like what they did in Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda series, which unfortunately I can't watch because Kevin Sorbo is such an ass. And I wanted to rewatch it again because Discovery was kind of going down that path because they jumped into the future in which there was no Federation. And then whatever, even that didn't work. Right here, I'm glad we got to this point. Like, yeah, go ahead, update everything. The uniforms, update everything. But don't forget those elements that you still need to recognize as they're still there. I don't mind it's not just plain yellow as a command shirt, but there's texture to that yellow uniform. I appreciate the new view screen and how the technology is more up-to-date. I appreciate all that, and that's perfect, and I'm good with that. I just wish that they had done better 
with those characters, and again, I'm not faulting the actors because I know these people can do better if they had better things to work with. But here, here was the thing that I've been wanting for the longest time, and I'm so glad that we got this finally. Now, if only Kenobi can get their shit together. (laughs) All right, so we have reached the end of this podcast, and I think it's pretty much as long as the first episode, which is not what I expected. But regardless, it is done. So this is something that I don't normally do because my first idea would have been, let me just review the season overall and just leave it at that. But it's been a long time since I've been doing podcasting. So I figured, let me come back in a very big way. So every Monday, you'll get another new episode review for Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Wednesday, I will be starting Kenobi. And then between Kenobi and Star Trek, I'm hoping to drop in my review of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness since it was just released for Disney Plus last Wednesday. As well as, as if that wasn't enough, Friday I'm going to hopefully release my first sci-fi news podcast, which I'm trying to do on then on a regular basis. So every week... We're going to be busy around here. And I'm glad to be back finally to do the thing that I love to do. When I'm doing my podcast, I'm in my happy place. And it is something that I've been needing for myself for quite some time because I've been struggling with a lot of different issues. Not that this is going to be the answer to help save it all. It's just me of coping with all the stresses that life goes and throws our our way. In any case, please, 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 if you're so inclined, if you like this podcast and you're on iTunes, please give it a review. I'm not even asking for a five-star review because there are parts that I'm like, really? That's not really five-star material. That's not the case. I want you to review it. I don't care how many stars you give me. I just want you to review it. If you have this on YouTube, if you want to leave a comment, leave me a comment. I don't care if it was good or bad. If it sucks, it sucks. But at least you listen to it. That's all I care about. There are going to be more plans down the road, but this is my first step back. And hopefully, you've enjoyed this ride with me. All right. So, on that note, thank you for listening to me and to the Monster Sci-Fi Show. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. Good night. In the Cosmic Pizza Podcast, your pizza delivery guys, Dan, Sean, and Paul, serve you a slice of life. We talk to women in comedy, voice actors, film directors and producers, authors. We also talk about conspiracy theories, the Muppets, our top three films of the decades, famous people we confuse with each other, and our favourite stand-up comedians. We have recast Star Trek The Original Series and Babylon 5, and created our alternative superheroes. But most of all, we have had so much fun doing it every two weeks. Two weeks! The Cosmic Pizza Podcast is not about the cosmos or about pizza. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, 
your station for all things geek.